make sure you carry something. Do you know what I mean? Make sure you carry something. Don't carry a grumpy spirit. Sometimes Sharon says, you're grumpy. Oh, that's horrible. Isn't that horrible? You yuck. That's just nasty. Not saying Sharon's been, but to be grumpy, to be miserable when we got the life of God on the inside, to be fed up when we got the joy of the Lord as our strength. I'm not saying just go through life all sort of tiptoe. It's not what I'm saying, but, but you know, people carry something. You can carry something and people just don't want to be around you. And then we call it persecution. No, it's not persecution. It's you're a grumpy thing. No wonder people don't worry. God didn't even want to be around you. <laughs> this will lead me to my message. You wait. You think I'm rambling. I'm not rambling. I know what I'm doing right now. But people carry something. What we want to carry is the presence of God. We don't just want to carry a personality. Heaven forbid that our lives are built on a personality or our church is built on a personality. Heaven forbid. We want to build everything on and from the presence of God. Haggai chapter 1. I want to read the whole chunk again because this is such a word for us right now and the more you say it, the more you have it. In the second year of King Darius, the sixth month, the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet to Zerubbabel. That word Zerubbabel means a descendant of Babel, the Tower of Babel, a descendant of Babel. So basically this guy knew how to build. He had, a, he had something in him that he knew how to build. His name meant builder, really, spoke of building. The governor of Judah and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest saying, thus says the word of the Lord, the Lord of hosts saying, this people says the time has not come, the time for the Lord's house to be built. That's what people were saying. They were saying, not now. Saying it's not convenient. It's not comfortable. I've got other priorities, not now. We tried it once and it didn't work. We tried it before, 18 years ago, and we gave up. Why? Because the enemy, the attack came in and it was, and it wasn't, it didn't start as a violent attack, it started as discouragement and frustration. And that opened the door to a, a stronghold, a foothold. The enemy got into people's lives and and then it didn't take much for the enemy to stop the work. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet saying, is it time for you to dwell in your panelled houses to get your life all nice and straight? Is that the priority? <laughs> and this temple to lie in ruins. Now, therefore, consider your way, says the Lord of hosts. You've sown much, you bring in little. You eat, you don't have enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. He who earns salary, earns salary to put in a bag with holes in it. I mean, this is, this is how people live their lives. From one need to the next need, from one disaster to the next disaster, from one want to the next want. I thought it said, the Lord is my shepherd, I will lack nothing. And yet there's something here that says it just didn't last. It wasn't enough. 
Now, thank God we live under grace. We're not under law. We're not under the law. So we don't have to buy anything. We don't have to do something to be blessed. But what we do need to do is get our priorities straight. Seek first the kingdom of God. It's a New Testament verse, not an Old Testament verse. Seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be given unto you. Seek first. Everybody say first. Look at someone say first. Look at 32 people and say, get your priorities straight. Okay. First. First means first. Consider your ways. You're earning money, but it's not enough. You eat, but you're still hungry. You drink, you're still thirsty. You clothe yourself, you're still cold. And there's a reason. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up the mountains, bring wood, build the temple. Get out of the valley and get out of the plateau. We've already covered this. I'm not going to preach it again. We go through valleys. We don't live in valleys. We walk through and we affect the valley. The valley doesn't affect us. People say, oh, I'm going through a desert experience. Hey, you can go through a desert in full faith, full joy, full love, full expectation. And the Bible says we turn the desert into a blooming place. When people say I'm going through a desert, they often mean I've got a desert in me. I feel dry. They turn it around. They're not saying they're going through a desert. They're saying I've received a desert in me. God can turn that around today. However dry you feel, God can pour water on your parched land. It says, go up the mountain. Come on, do this on purpose that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much, it came to little. When you brought it home, I blew it all away. Why, says the Lord of hosts, because of my house that lies in ruins. You see, how, I'm going to be really blunt here, how we build our lives affects everything. We've just been singing, Jesus, you change everything. Where is Jesus? Jesus lives in people. He lives in your own heart. He lives in the church. We're called to build the church in our generation. The most important thing a person can do apart from their personal relationship with God, but the out working of their personal relationship with God will mean this. Number one, they will build their family. Number two, they will build their church. Number three, they will build all the other things that the Gentiles seek. Hello, is this, we get this, yeah? It says, therefore the heavens above you withhold their dew and the earth withholds its fruit. I call for drought in the land and the mountains, grain, new wine and oil and whatever the ground brings forth, men and livestock and all the work of your hands. I hate working hard for little return. It's not God. God wants us to work hard for much return. Then verse 12, Zerubbabel and Joshua and the high priest and all the remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet as the Lord their God had sent him and the people feared the presence of the Lord. Let's all say that. The people feared the presence of the Lord. Let's say that again all together. The people feared the presence of the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's spokesman, the Lord's mouthpiece at that time, spoke the Lord's message 
to the people saying, I am with you, says the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and stirred up the spirit of Joshua, stirred up the spirit of all the remnant of the people. They came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month, the 24th day of June, whatever their, their calendar was, I'm, I'm not sure. In the second year of King Darius, in the seventh month, the 21st day of the month, the word of the Lord came again by Haggai the prophet saying, now speak now to Zerubbabel, to Joshua, to all the people saying, who can remember this temple in its former glory? Who can remember what it's supposed to be like? Now, how do you see it? In comparison with what it's supposed to be like, is this not nothing in comparison? Yet now be strong, Zerubbabel. Be strong, Joshua, and be strong, all the people. And work, for I am with you, says the Lord of hosts. According to the word I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. For thus says the Lord of hosts once more, it's just a little while, I'll shake the heaven and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations and they shall come to the desire of all nations. I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the glory of the former temple, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give shalom, nothing missing, nothing broken, wholeness, abundance in every area of life, says the Lord of hosts. Incredible passage of Scripture. Promise for us today. Today I want to talk quickly about the presence of the Lord. The presence of the Lord. God made it clear a number of times in this passage that God was with them. I am with you. My spirit is, is there, remains among you. I promised you I'd be there and I am. Like I promised when I came out of Egypt, I'm with you. He says it over and over in this passage. I am with you. I am with you. He made it clear a number of times he was with them and was going to move among them. And the result of this passage of Scripture, apart from all the shaking and the glory and whatever else, you find it right in the middle. And we've already said it once. The people feared the presence of the Lord. I've heard some incredible sermons about the fear of God and the fear of the Lord. It's not something you actually want to talk about very much. Because if you have to talk about it, you really haven't got it. If you're always having to hammer on about, be holy, there's something wrong. If you're always having to hammer on about, you know what, we've got to honour God. Yeah, we need to understand these things and talk about these things, but God wants us to honour from our heart not because we're obeying somebody else. But this is really powerful. God began to move with these people. And it says the result is they were obedient to God and they began to fear the presence of God. The result was an awesome, holy fear. An understanding that, you know what, this is it. We've got to get it right this time. A holy fear, an awesome fear of the Lord. Some people want to take that word fear away and they've turned it into reverence or whatever. You do your Bible study, it means fear. Now, it doesn't mean to be scared stiff. If you're scared of God, you've got something to hide. Yeah? If you're scared of God, 
in that, oh my word, I can't go into God's presence. You've got something to hide. But when you don't have anything to hide, but you have a great understanding of who God is. And as you walk in His presence, yes, we come in with heads high. Yes, we come in with a confidence and a boldness, but we also know I'm coming into the presence of the Most High God. This is not casual. This is on purpose. God is awesome. We use that word for everything. Oh, that was an awesome service. That's an awesome cup of coffee. That's an awesome jacket. That's an awesome hairstyle. Thank you very much. It's awesome, Pastor Jay. You're you're awesome. You know, and I love that word awesome because, you know, I, I use it a lot. You're awesome. But actually that sort of word is really only able to be given to one person, which is our God. You're awesome because He's awesome. You see, we have this generation now, this feel in the world today that unless you tell me I'm awesome, I get depressed. Now we're up for encouragement. Don't we encourage a lot? You were awesome today, Sally. (laughs) You really were. I was getting so excited here. Seriously, I just thought, this is awesome. Just really good. I won't tell them that you were late this morning because you, because you're awesome. She was, she was coming out of home, and Greg turns round Sally's husband and says, "You got a burn mark on your dress. Is this right? Yeah, yeah the eye. She had the iron on. You were distracted with many things, Sally. Yeah, it's good. Points for Greg, eh? Amazing." So she had to go and get changed. So she missed the prayer time. I'm surprised she was anointed at all. I just... uh... (laughs) But there we go. I mean, God is a God of incredible mercy and grace. (laughs) For you are awesome. We encourage people in this place. We've worked together for 23 years now. So we know know each other well. So it's not a problem. But we really can only call God awesome. Awesome. Really? What does it mean to come into the presence of God? What does it mean to to come and be a part of a move of God? What does it mean to be hungry for God, passionate for God? we sang earlier God show me your glory when we stand in the presence of God and we have an understanding of how great God is it changes everything it changes everything you can't stay the same when you have a fear of the Lord probably the most important thing a person can ever understand. When I say understand, I don't mean just mentally. I mean receive a revelation of something, bang, hits you in the guts and you got it on the inside, is this. God never wanted to be out there. He wanted to be right here. 
right here, right now. Well, again, man, that song. Here now. Jesus, you change everything. Here and now. We're a church and we love to have a lot of fun. We love fun. Just take this down a little bit. We, we, we love to have a lot of fun. We love to have a laugh. We just do. We have a laugh. And that's absolutely right. And, we're, and, it's, and it's right to laugh. And it's right to just, just have... Some people are just too boring. We just need to have a laugh. Watch a funny film, do something. Seriously. But to go equally with the joy of the Lord and all the passionate stuff and the energy that we have in this house and the things we want to stir up and the excitement and the joy, you can never get away from the fact that we're standing on holy ground. And this is the holy ground now. Here. Just a, a few points. God is everywhere. But He's always desired to manifest His presence in special ways. God is everywhere. It's what it is to be omnipresent. You see, when you say God is everywhere, it's a statement of omnipresence. But when you say God is here, it's a statement of relationship and power. God is everywhere. But God is here. And the here begins here. Not just Old Testament. I can turn you to just so many great passages in the New Testament. Acts chapter 5, Acts chapter 12 are the two obvious ones. Acts chapter 5. We have the Ananias and Sapphira incident. Wow. Not judgment. God didn't judge Ananias and Sapphira. He'd already judged Jesus in our place. But the presence of God, the God is here, was so powerful that the Bible says people were afraid to go to church. The unsaved, people who didn't know Jesus. No one dared go to that place. Because God is here. Acts chapter 12, they had a prayer meeting and the presence of God fell on a, a man in chains in the prison. And the chains were opened and while they were still praying, knock on the door and they send a guy to the door and they open the door and there's the bloke they were praying for to be set free was standing there. <laughs> Now that's the sort of thing in a film, you'd see the door open and close straight away. <laughs> it's like I heard the Mike Murphy message the other day about how somebody had said he was dead. Was that here? <laughs> so he phoned him up and said, hey, it's Mike Murphy. 
<laughs> oh, I thought that was brilliant. I laughed in my office. It was so funny. See, God wants to presence Himself here and now. Not just everywhere and anywhere. It's the here and now. What else can we say from this? God has promised to manifest His presence to His people. God has promised. We have a promise. We love the promises of authority. Well, actually, that's not a promise. That's a state which is we're in. We don't have a promise of authority. We have authority. We love the promises of God. They're all yes and amen. And we believe them and we prophesy them. We speak them and we declare them. And we agree with them and we pray with each other. And we stand on the promises of God. So often it's out of perhaps a place of desperation. Unless God moves, I'm sunk. (laughs) But God's going to move so I won't sink. I shall not die, but live and declare what the Lord has done. Psalm 118. I mean, some fantastic promises you can stand on in the Word of God. Wonderful promises. All things will work together for our good, for those who are called according to His purposes. And read the two verses beforehand. Know how to pray in the Holy Ghost. Know how to pray with God. But the greatest promise has to be, I will manifest myself on you and through you and among you. Because that's where everything else comes from. That's a promise to be hungry for and passionate about and committed to. If we know that there's a promise of God wants to manifest Himself, His presence to His people, it affects something. We heard a little bit, wasn't Dr. Richard outstanding last week? Just brilliant, 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 brilliant. And he talked about so many points that I wanted to bring up today. Exodus 32. A man hungry for the glory of God. Show me your glory. He didn't know we were going to be singing this song this week and I'm preaching this. It just, isn't it wonderful how God works hand in hand? Really good. Show me your glory. If your glory doesn't go with me, I'm not going, said Moses. But you go back about five verses before that. Five or six verses. Exodus chapter 32. It says, so Moses took his tent. He picked it up and he walked far away from the camp and he pitched his tent outside the camp. His own tent, not the tabernacle, not some special worship tent, not some special thing. His own tent when they lived in tents. It's like you, you know, going home today, you pick up your house, your apartment and you move it. That's what he did. He moved. He moved house. And he picked it up and he moved it far away from the camp. That speaks volumes. He didn't just say, God, show me your glory. He put himself in a place where he could be focused. Where this means everything to me. 
and he moved it far away and everybody watched. Everybody watched. You know the world is watching. The world is watching us. Don't ever be fooled to think the world's not watching. Once they know you say you are a Christian, they are watching you like a hawk. Watching you like a hawk. I didn't think Christians were supposed to do that. I didn't think Christians were supposed to say that. Now they get it wrong most of the time. <laughs> Hello. I didn't think, because they have this weird idea of what a Christian should be. But sometimes they hit the nail on the head. I didn't think Christians were supposed to do that. And on the inside you go, oh, you're right. <laughs> Hello, ever been there? They just love to find a way to trip you up. To look, to look for a point where they can accuse. See, all Christians are hypocrites. No, all Christians are not perfect. We get it wrong. That's why we need a saviour. Thank you. See why I like him. He pitched his tank, his tent far outside the camp. And then watch this. He declared his tent to be. He declared it. He told everybody, this is the tabernacle of meeting. Hang on a minute, we've got a tabernacle. Yeah, this is different. This is the tabernacle of, in fact, they didn't at that point, but this is the tabernacle of meeting. This is where God and man are going to meet. Right here. Your tent is your life. What are you declaring over yourself this year? This is where God and man meet. In my life, God and man meet together in a body. And when he went into the tent, everybody, the whole three million of them stood up. because they knew something was going to happen. I really want the United Kingdom to stand to attention when the church gathers. Not be cynical. Not be critical. But to stand up in honour and say the church is meeting. And it says, when he went in, the presence of God came and God talked with Moses face to face. And when the presence of God came, the whole camp, three million of them, worshipped. Why? Because God had turned up. I could spend till next Christmas going through the impact of some of this stuff God is here not just God is everywhere the impact Jesus you change everything this changes everything it changes everything 
It says they obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. They praised God with a whole heart. They were faith people. They were compassionate people. When the presence of God is a focal point of someone's life, when we're declaring over our lives, this is the tent of meeting. My life, that this church, Citygate Church, is a tabernacle of meeting. See, one can put a thousand to flight, two, ten thousand. You get a whole lot more when you jam us together. And then you put the church together. We're not just part of INC, the denomination we're part of. We're part of the body of Christ worldwide. Catholic, Anglican, Baptist, the Methodist, Pentecostals, Free Church, United Reformed Church. You name it, we're part of it. If it declares Jesus as Lord, we're all in this boat together. Put us all together, God lives in His church. But I can't affect all the other churches, I can affect this one. What do you carry when you walk in? What do you carry? Have you declared yourself to be a tabernacle of meeting? Is that what you are? Is that who you are? Is that what you've declared over your life? I am a place where God and man meet. Not out of arrogance, but out of absolute expectation and joy and desire and passion and energy and zeal and excitement. God lives in my life. Show me your glory, God. Reveal yourself. God, be here. Not just everywhere. God, be here. Ah, but you know what? God is here. Yeah, we know God is here, but God wants to be here. To be here. God's presence is now in His people, but the presence of God is seen in its greatest manifestation in the life of Jesus Christ. Greatest manifestation you can ever find anywhere. We love to talk about Moses and his face shone. Well, that happened to Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. The reason why his face shone is because he saw Jesus. He saw the presence of God. We love to talk about the Red Sea splitting. God split it. We love to see it, but it was God. The greatest expression of the manifest presence of God you find in the life of Jesus Christ. We're told this, Acts 10.38, Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil because God was with him. God's with everybody. Yeah, God's everywhere. But He wants to manifest. He wants to presence Himself. He said to these people, I'm with you, I'm with you, I'm with you, I'm with you, I'm with you. Oh yeah, God's with us. Bang, something hit them. Wow, God's here. They began to fear the presence, not the omnipresence. the presence of God, all of a sudden, the penny dropped. God's everywhere. God wants to be here. What did Jesus do? He turned water into wine because God was with 
him. He said, Lazarus, come forth because God was with him. He fed 4,000 people because God was with him. He healed the blind man because God was with him. He cleansed the lepers because God was with him. He spoke to the wind and the waves because God was with him. We love to talk about the anointing. That is a Christian word that Christians use, which is basically the presence of the Holy Spirit upon our lives personally, like you rub on ointment. But you know what? Let's not just turn the anointing into an it. Oh, I've got it. Pastor, lay hands on me. I'm anointed now. No, we're talking about God is here. Not just some, some spell that somebody, now you're anointed. Ah, oh, I've got the oil now. I've got the ointment. You get him what I'm saying? It's about God, the person. God on flesh is what the anointing, God on a person, God on a situation, God on a worship time, God in a prayer meeting, God in a time when you lay hands on the sick. We're talking about the person of God. God is here, presencing Himself. When... We find in Exodus, Moses said, show me your glory. God said, you're not going to see that level because you just dropped down dead. But he said, I'll let my goodness. And he allowed his goodness. And, and in response to the glory of God and his hunger for the glory, God said, you can see my goodness. Why? Because the expression of glory is goodness. How Jesus went about doing good and healing all who are oppressed of the devil for God was with him. These things go hand in hand. God's presence is now in His people. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, I'd encourage you to read it. Talks about Old Testament glory on the face of Moses, put a, 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 a veil on him because he shone, he literally shone with the presence of God. And it says, now that's an incredible, you know, uh, that's the glory of God. It's just amazing. And he was up the mountain, he was in the tabernacle of meeting and he, glory, glory, glory. But it says now, we have greater glory we have a greater covenant. And it says this, the glory that shines in the face of Jesus Christ has now shone in our earthen vessels. That glory may not be seen as a bright light on your face, but it's certainly seen in the quality of your character and your life on the inside. The glory of God. You getting anything out of this today? Is this, is this okay or is this a bit deep for a Sunday morning? Need to be careful. How does the glory come out of us now? Through goodness. That we go about doing good and healing all who are oppressed of the devil for God is with us. In God's presence, we find the fullness the fullness, the fullness of what? The fullness of life. The fullness of life. The fullness of life comes from God alone. Apart from that fullness of life, we can call it the abundant life, whatever, there's just an empty void. I wanna ask you today, what have you got? Have you got the fullness of life or have you got an empty void? Oh, well, you know what, I'm, I'm okay. 
We're talking about God being here. That's not just okay, that's the fullness of life. That's something on the inside that is life-changing. What do we have? The fullness of relationship. Father and son relationship with God. We have the fullness of joy and expression of the inner state of the Spirit of God on the inside of us. We have the fullness of satisfaction. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall lack nothing. I shall not want. Why? Because I'm satisfied. I don't live in this constant state of, if only I had that, I'd be happy. We have the fullness of fulfilment. The greatest purpose that a person can have is to walk with God in this world. And as we close, God's presence brings freedom. God's presence brings freedom. Freedom from the inside. The Bible says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You know where you find that? 2 Corinthians chapter 4 about the shining face of Moses and the glory on the inside. He's talking about the manifest presence of God. For where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, freedom. And then it says, how does that happen from the Spirit of the Lord on the inside of us? See people going all over the place, wanting to be set free. Oh, I want to be set free. I want to be set free. Freedom comes from the spirit of life, glory, presence on the inside of the believer. That's where freedom comes from. It doesn't come from out there. It doesn't come from a prayer. It doesn't come from a, just a mindset. All these things we need to understand. And, uh, you know, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. We understand all, the, uh, all of those things. We need to know. We need to understand. We need to sow and reap. We need to rejoice. All these things. But fundamentally, freedom comes from the presence of God on the inside of the believer. F freedom from what? F freedom from fear. Freedom from anxiety, freedom from worry, freedom from sickness, freedom from lack, freedom from intimidation, freedom from restriction, freedom from shame, freedom from the restrictions that are upon our lives, freedom from unforgiveness, freedom from inferiority, freedom from the death cycle. Freedom. What a morning. <laughs> what a morning. We've worshipped God. We've prayed. We've laughed. We've understood how God sees us as so valuable, what He was prepared to give up for us. We've had the bread and the wine to declare the death and the life of Jesus Christ. We've We've sown our seed in our offerings. The greatest thing we can do here today is to say, God, you are awesome to me. To live with the understanding that God, I want to, I want to understand, I want to know, I want to live in the good of God is here. That means we love people in our everyday world. It means we shine the light. It means we invite people to church. It means we pray for people. It means we give and we're generous. That, that's where it all comes from. God is here. Let's all stand to our feet here today.
Father, we thank You, Lord, for Your greatness, Your wonder, Your awesomeness. You are awesome, God. Lord, as we stand here as a congregation, as we stand here as individuals, Lord, we want to be like the great examples in Your Word where people set themselves apart and they We've already heard today, Moses pitched his tent far from the camp. Not far from the church, but far from distraction because he knew this was his season. And Father, today as we stand in your presence, we've been singing, show me your glory. Fill this house with glory. Lord, we want to stand here personally and say, fill us afresh. Come on, if that's your prayer today, why don't you just lift your hands right now and come on, God. Lord, show us your glory. Fill us with glory. God, fill us with your presence. That you wouldn't just be a God who's everywhere, but you're a God who's here and now. Lord, that we carry your glory and carry your presence through our world, in the office, at home, Lord, in all these different areas, not by being super spiritual, but by, Lord, being a great example of a, a person in touch with God. So, Father, we thank you today that you want to turn this up. Lord, you want to presence yourself in greater ways. Lord, we're not praying for the building to shake and for all that to happen. God, we want to, Lord, be more compassionate, more stirred and stronger in our lives with you that's what you did with them you stirred up their spirit and you made them strong well Lord God we want to be stirred up people and strong in the Lord and the power of his mind Lord to build something awesome in our generation to make a difference in the lives of the people around us Father we thank you for it in Jesus name and right now just with every eye closed and every head bowed if you're here today and Perhaps this, this has meant something really special to you today and you're saying, you know what, I, I need to respond to this. I need to respond. Perhaps this is going to be a first prayer for you saying, Jesus, to be Lord of my life. Perhaps that's you. Perhaps you've never given your life to Jesus. It, you know, Jesus said this and he said it with a passion. He said, you must be born again. You must be. You must be, oh, well, I'm religious and you know what? I believe in Buddha or I believe in, I believe in Krishna or you know what? I believe in crystals or you know what? I think all religions lead to God. No, Jesus said, you must be born again. And he said, what does that mean? He said, you must receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Saviour. If that's you here today and you want to say, Pastor Jay, you know, I want to receive Jesus as my Lord and Saviour or I want to be this person you're talking about that, that lives in a, in a fresh, Lord, I want to pitch my tent outside the camp. I want to, I want to move into a new season in my life where, where I'm hungry for God's glory. Perhaps you want to, for the first time, make Jesus Christ Lord of your life or today's a significant day of recommitment for you. Just right now with every eye closed and every head bowed, if that's you, quickly put up your hand in this place. Very quickly. Come on, I want to pray with you today. Is there anybody here today? You want to say, Julian, Pastor Jay, I want to receive Jesus as my Lord and Saviour. I want to move on. Today's a day of change for my life. Thank you, Jesus.
there anybody else here today? Come on. God bless you. Is there anybody else here today? Come on, hands going up across this auditorium. Anybody else? Let's all pray this prayer. We're going to pray one prayer together. We're going to say, Heavenly Father, thank you that you love me, that you've demonstrated your love by sending your son Jesus to die for me. Thank you, Jesus, for paying the price to give me life. Come into my life. Be my Lord and my Saviour and my friend. And by the help of your grace and your power, I will never be the same again. I'm pitching my tent outside the camp for you to be everything to me. In Jesus' name, amen.